You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. The BRICS Report, Brazil. Thank you, Mark. And Professor Lyle White, Director of the Center for Dynamic Markets at the Gordon Institute of Business Science, is on the line for us now this morning to talk to us about the developments in Brazil. Uh, Professor White, good morning. Morning, Kolani. How are you doing? I'm very well. Are you good? Yeah, very good. Thanks. Very Fabulous. good. Fabulous. I'll tell you who's not good. Uh, former Brazilian President uh, Lula da Silva. Yeah, you know, and that, that uh, Lula da Silva was, as you know, one of the most influential politicians, not only in Latin America, but in the world at large. You know, when he came to power, he was, and, and through his first and second term, he was the most popular president in Brazilian history. He had a huge influence here in South Africa. We always spoke about the Lula moment, and perhaps the Lula moment in South Africa might be something that we look more deeply into it, as we see now that he has been found guilty of corruption charges. This was about two weeks ago. I'm, I'm sure everybody was following this on the news. Yeah. He was sentenced uh, to 10 years in prison. It's a stunning setback for, for this politician who had wielded so much influence across the world. It, the charges are really around um, some illegal uh, support or <laughs> illegal improvements that he received for, uh, in, the, to, uh, in, the, in, the, in the realm of about $1.1 million for a beachfront apartment uh, from a construction company, which in turn... Uh, obtained lucrative contracts with Petrobras, the, the state-owned oil company. Now, he will appeal this conviction, uh, and Lula has insisted that uh, these charges are, uh, or he denies the charges, and they are politically motivated. And he, intends, he still intends to stand for election next year, which is uh, uh, the national elections in Brazil, where he is currently the leading candidate for the presidential elections. It's effectively his political comeback. But Kolani, if his appeal fails, He'll be stripped of all, politi- uh, all political protection and he'll go straight to jail to serve the nine and a half year sentence. Ooh. And obviously he will be stripped of his assets. What happened subsequently, though, Judge Sergio Moro has, uh, has said that um, they've frozen his assets. They've, uh, they've found $200,000 in one of his bank accounts. They've frozen those. And, and so he's obviously pushing back on that. You know, uh, his property and bank accounts are in excess of $4.5 million dollars. And that is what they're investigating right now. Wow. But only in Brazil where you get things such as a congressman by day, jailbird by night. <laughs> I knew you'd love this story because, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, so for many politicians, a jail sentence usually means the end of a career, but not so in Brazil and certainly not for the legislator, Salso Jacob. Uh, coincidence in name, I'm not sure. But uh, each day <laughs> he, he heads to Brazil's <laughs> National Congress and uh, he, he goes straight from prison. He wakes up at 5 a.m., he gets picked up from his, Brazil, his uh, pr- uh, the prison near Brasilia, and he returns, uh, he changes from his suit back into his white overalls. Um, he is on a day release as he serves a seven-year jail term for administrative fraud where he was, uh, when he was a mayor. Now, uh, many convicts are allowed to work in Brazil under such partial release uh, uh, arrangements, but Jacob is the only member of Brazil's Congress known to have been allowed to keep working in such a situation. Under the partially open prison regime, he is forbidden from going to the cinema, shopping, or visiting family. But he is, Golani, allowed to go to Congress and vote on the nation's laws and some of the most pertinent political issues of the day, including what we saw last week, uh, the voting in the lower house of Congress for the impeachment of the current standing president, uh, President Temer. So that is fascinating. It is fascinating indeed. But you know, what, what's fascinating are just the similarities between South Africa and Brazil, whether it's politics or in any other sector of society. And, and a final story here, which also um, some people might identify with here in South Africa, that Brazil's army is now essentially a, a police force. Yeah, and yeah, it's so true. The parallels between South Africa and Brazil are astounding. Now, 
Um, it's, I suppose uh, in terms of the change in times, change in challenges, so, is, so it will be with the, the armed forces of a country. The last time Brazil was invaded or a Brazilian city was attacked was back in 1711 when the French briefly captured and occupied Rio de Janeiro back in 1711. At present, it has been declared that Brazil has no enemies. But nonetheless, Brazil maintains the world's 15th largest uh, standing army and spends more than more on defense than does Israel. Now, one of the armed forces' central tasks is the policing of a 150-kilometer band alongside, along the country's 17,000-kilometer land border. Um, the army is also responsible for law and order operations, and the troops are a common sight during big events such as the elections and, I suppose, many of the protests that we've seen, but also at uh, big events like the 2016 Olympics. I think these changing times and changing challenges do require a, a, change, in, a change in thinking and priorities for our armed forces. Well, I mean, we saw in South Africa about 400 members of the SANDF being deployed in Parliament a couple of months ago to protect our president, simply because they were actually being used as police. Professor Lyle White, always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Galani. Much, much appreciated. That's Professor Lyle White. He's director of the Center for the Dynamic Markets at the Gordon Institute of Business Science.